Good morning, everybody. I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 46. So long, kids. I have that effect on kids. <laughs> Women, too. Just... Oh, well. It's the story of my wife. Ah, uh, sorry. Just... All right. I'm also going to set a time. I'm going to do something different with you this morning. I'm going to talk for about 20 minutes, so I've got to leave my phone on so it makes a little noise. You should have yours off so it doesn't make any noises. And I'm going to go on about Psalm 46. And there are going to be a few little word changes in there because I've taken the um, liberty, the poetic license, if you like, to sort of do a mishmash of different translations. So Psalm 46. Be still and know that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in our trouble. Therefore, we won't be afraid. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the center of the earth, or to the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains be, be trembling because of its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her midst. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, kingdoms totter, God utters his voice, and the earth melts. Jehovah is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how his desolations, how he brought desolations to the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Jehovah is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Can you jump ahead to that slide there, please? That's it. Fifteen slides, and they all look like this one. Okay? I'm a PowerPoint genius. Death by PowerPoint takes on a new meaning. I want to give you a little bit of background about Psalm 46. Psalm 46 through to Psalm 49 serves as a kind of an executive summary of the whole of God. It's a brief, all wrapped up in a few words. Psalm 46, especially verse 10, be still and know that I am God, and hence that's why I've got it up on the slide, is something that I want to play with this morning. My... my, My goal this morning is to speak for about 20 minutes and then open it up for some pushback, for some talk, for some engagement. Not Q&A. I'm not going to be the sage on the stage. It's really just for people to think about it and then talk back. And if it's 10 minutes of of awkward silence, then awkward. And that's okay. I'm just going to stand here and look goofier. And so will you. But that's okay. (laughs) Psalm 46.10. Let me give you a little bit of background. Back in 1988, I moved out from Nova Scotia to the Sunshine Coast. Met my wife. And this is after a a, a relationship that I had went south back in Nova Scotia. And same with Carrie, my wife. Carrie's not here this morning. You notice normally she's here. When she found out that I was talking and what it was about, she went to a different church (laughs) in Calgary just, no, she went to a wedding, so that's her excuse. But we met, and 
and I pursued her until finally she caved in. Well, you know that when you get together in relationships, you bring baggage. In Carrie's, in my case, we brought cargo. So we had tons, and that became unraveling to the point where we were on the rocks probably within about two years of our marriage. And it just was a rocky road from there. But in two years, I was ready to throw in the towel. And at the time, the pastor's wife, where we lived on the Sunshine Coast, I would talk to her, and I said, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just pulling the plug on this thing. This has gone too far. And I remember her very words, and her name was Margaret. She said, no, Blaine, I don't think it's quite ready yet. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And that just grated against me. How on earth can I be still? Right? I mean, look at that picture. It's a motorcycle. Shane, you picked that up, didn't you? And it's a beamer in front, too. There's the hills. There's the open road. How on earth can you be still when the whole planet is open for exploration? When there's people to know. When there are things to do when there's better things to do in a relationship. And so that just grated against me, but I did something different from my whole life, and that was I actually listened. Okay, I'll be still. And slowly over time, through some help and through, through the church's intervention and love, that we were able to go through, I call it a program, it was a study called Sonship that looked at Galatians and the freedom we have in Christ. And that opened up a whole can of worms. So here's where I want to play with, with be still and know that I am God. There's a tension here for me. But first of all, the be still bit. How on earth can you be still? You notice I'm pacing around here. That's me, right? How do you be still? There's too much to see, too much to do, too much to know, too many people to get to know, too many instruments to learn, too much music to, to explore, and to know that I am God. Well, we know, as I already said, that those, the, that little quadruplet of, of Psalms, 46 to 49, are about God. But I want to point out something else in here, and this is where I'm playing. Be still and know that I am God. I want you to know that I am God. Now, before you run off out the door saying he's a heretic, listen to me. Here's how I discovered how I play God on a daily basis. What I found out through my Rocky Road relationship and then development and flourishment and to, uh, to the glory of God, and we're coming up to our 29th anniversary, so we are poster children for the grace of God. And he does work miracles in people's lives. And it is wild. And it's not rosy and fun and everything like this, but it certainly is rosy and fun and everything like this. So there's lots of good things in there. What I discovered along the road was that how I play God is in my righteousness. Let me give you some examples of my righteousness. We lived in Richmond for a while. Anybody's lived in Richmond and driven there, I bet dollars to donuts, you also demonstrated your righteousness. Especially when you're driving. And you thought, can these people drive? I had a favorite saying, which was, this should be a bumper sticker on people's cars. If you can afford to buy it, learn to drive it. And I would say that aloud, and Carrie would go, God, Blaine, Blaine, Blaine. You know, maybe they're ambassadors for your righteousness. And I would use a different word that kind of rammed with ambassadors, and, which wasn't nice. But that was me. I'm just being kind of brutally frank here, or Blaine. And the whole, so I learned about driving righteousness. Turn that, you know, put your signal on. 
I had somebody when I was driving down the hill this morning on the way here who just casually turned in front of me to turn in their driveway. I got a jam on the brakes and they just kind of looked at me like, like, hello. Um, and my head wants to go, uh, excuse me? Don't you know who you just cut off here? God. And that's the way I kind of look at it. How about dish rag righteousness? How many of you don't mind that rag all crumpled up and just sitting on the counter? Right? You, you like that? I like kind of draped over the thing. I see some Snickers and stuff like this going on. Right? The cupboard doors. How hard is it to close a cupboard door after you've been in there? Hey? Do I hear some amens? Just, just close the thing. And Karen and I have many discussions about that. I, you know, cite occupational hazards and eye damage and brain damage. And she said, yes, definitely brain damage, Blaine. But we, all those types of things just sort of get after me. Education righteousness. Speaking righteousness. How you build a building righteousness. Construction righteousness. I'll bet you, let's talk about Paul and his righteousness. Because remember he said, all my righteousness is this filthy rag. And I hope you understand that the the pathetic English translation of the word filthy rag doesn't mean a rag that you use to wipe up paint with or stuff like this. He's pretty, he's being pretty, I won't say vulgar, but graphic. So I'll let you do the etymology of that term and find out just how uh, crude it was. But he was getting a point across. And he was saying that was his righteousness. What kind of righteousness did Paul have? I'll bet he had tent-making righteousness. Remember he was a tent maker? Can you see him around the circle making his tents? What kind of cloth do you use? I use this stuff. Yeah, we call that stuff nets. You know, I use this cloth here. I get it from, from France. It's the latest, greatest stuff. Oh, you only sew with a single seam. Ah, you know, I do a double stitch, triple stitch on the really hard areas. That type of a righteousness. Or even the color. Oh, you use dark black in the Mediterranean area. Hmm, we find that a little hot. (laughs) I like to use kind of beige so it blends in with the desert and it's cooler. Thanks, Paul. How about missionary righteousness? Remember that big blowout with Barnabas over John Mark? Paul, this is the way missions go down. Barnabas, nah, you know, I think John's a good guy. We can take... No, argument blow up, they go their separate ways. They make up down the road, and then he ends up loving John, because I think he finally woke up at some point and said, wait a minute, what's my righteousness? What's my rightness? Here's how I know it's a righteousness. And here's a little challenge to you. When somebody does something that kind of crosses your trigger point, crosses your line of, oh, that's acceptable, eh, that's not acceptable, where does your heart go? What's the first thing that crosses in your mind? Do you go, ah, oh, look at that guy, <laughs> that gal? Do you love them? Do you have compassion for them? Patience with them? Or do you kind of blurt out things? Learn to drive it. Does your heart go, ah, grumble? Because if it does, you've just pointed out how much you have a righteousness in that area, a rightness. It's the right way to do things. That's how I know I'm God. Because when I say this is the right way of doing things, I'm essentially saying, if I were God, this would be the way everybody would do it. This is the way everybody would drive. This is the way everybody would function in the kitchen, in the shop, building. Orchardists. Cherries. 
apples, whatever. Counseling, how to speak, how to write, how to play, what kind of instruments you play. Anything that causes a little rise in your temperature or inside of your heart that says, I disagree, I don't like that. I'm not saying all disagreement is wrong, just hear me. It's what goes on here first. Are you able to respond in love? If you're not, if there's something that ignites you and you want to flip out, welcome to my world, the world of righteousness, the world of being God. And that's why I want people to be still. It's like, shut up, I'm God. This is a reminder to me that no plain, (laughs) you're not God. And your righteousness, all those filthy rags, they are like filthy rags. They're worse. They're useless. Blaine, take on my righteousness. How do I do that? That, That's the big challenge, isn't it, day by day? Sometimes we hear lists. Do this. Don't do that. Here's seven tips, tricks, and techniques on how to live a better Christian life. And we go and we try to do it. And by the end of the week, we're bummed or we're guilted out because we can't do it. So we try harder. And the kingdom isn't about trying hard. It's not about giving into our righteousness. It's not about trying to do more. It's about being. Be still. What does that look like? And that's my, my, my rhetorical question to you. For me, thinking, trying to listen. How should you just quieting? How am I supposed to quiet those thoughts? Thanks, Luke, for bringing up about the soccer. Cause now that's going through my head. Was there a soccer game we should watch? I wouldn't watch soccer. I'd watch hockey or something like that. I'd go for a motorbike ride, actually, is what I'm thinking. I know you are too, Shane, especially as you look at that. I should take that down so it takes away some temptations. The being still, being, resting in this God who has me, who says, you don't need to be afraid. I'm the one that orchestrates things around the world. I've got it under control. You don't. Do you know how to be still? Come with me. Let me embrace you. Here's the encouraging great news. Ephesians 3. God loves us with an immeasurable love. We can't fathom it. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of Jesus. How do you wrap your mind around that? That's a daily walk for me. What does that look like? How can I practice that in my own household and I fail daily? And I go out and go, ah. And then I call out, hey, I need you to pray for me. I need you to walk with me. I need you to forgive me. It's not about saying sorry. That's about me. It's, I need you to forgive me and pray for me. Something I'm working on more recently with a former pastor and friend is called the Gospel App. And in that, we learn the position of ground prayer. The position of ground is something taken from Martin Luther. Luther talked about grace as like the ground. The ground doesn't move to try to capture God's grace. It just receives it. And that's an opportunity for us as well, even in our prayer. Lord, I practice self-righteousness daily. And I hate it because it keeps getting in my way. It gets in the way of my relationships. My righteousnesses become blockers to love. Because when I raise that righteousness flag, if you like, or practice... I am blocking how I love other people. And it's also a blocker for them to love me. 
That's the outcome from righteousness. They become little walls. There are laws, are things of don't do, or you should do this. And the position of ground prayer enables me to say, Lord, Jesus, you died for that too. Right? I mean, you took it away. You really died for that specific sin. Even that guy who crossed in front of me and my first reaction wasn't to love him. You died for that too. Really? Make me believe that. I need you to intervene. Just the same as you do in this whole world like we read about in Psalm 46. If you can look after wars, if you can look after uh, the city of God, and you care and you love me immeasurably, then you can take care of that too. You look after that as well. Make me believe that. Then. And Holy Spirit, you say you love me immeasurably. Make me feel it. We, re- we sang the song this morning. <laughs> you know, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. Well, he's in us. He doesn't have to fall on us anymore. He's in us. I don't believe it a lot of times. And that's part of my problem and part of my stumbling walk. I want to. So Holy Spirit, make me feel that. That's the position of ground prayer. It's a simple one. I can pray it all day long. Every time I mess up and I do, say, Lord, you died for that too? Man, do I ever need you to work this in me? I had a blow it with my dad. First time, major one, a couple weeks ago. And so he's in Silenceville. And I have to just call upon him and say, Lord, my heart wants to sort of defend and justify my stance. But what I need you to do is really make me believe that you even died for that too. You're way bigger than my dad. You're way bigger than me trying to make a point. You're way bigger than trying to get through logic. You're way bigger than my past experiences and the harms and the scars. Make me believe that. That's what I want. And that's, what I'm, that's why I come back and say it's such a tension because I live my day a lot of times like I am God. And I forget that, no, I'm not God. And it's the same lie that was given to Adam and Eve. You shall be as God. And they bought into it. I'm suggesting perhaps we buy into it. You buy into it. Look at your life. Want to find out about your rightnesses? Ask your spouse or friend children. Hey, what's something I do that lights me up? Don't defend it or justify it. You're just falling into the same trap. Just listen and go, wow, Lord, you died for that too? Make me believe that. You can change me? Make me believe that. You really love me? Make me feel that. So that I can just take it to others. Galatians. What's Galatians about? the freedom we have in Christ. It's not about lists. It's not about doing. It's about being. Being in that place of security in Christ. That if you really did take it all, what, what does all mean? Everything. Even my foibles. Even my mess-ups. And it says, yeah, I died for that too. Now you're free. Free what? Free to love. I'm free to love on those people who cut me off, who don't use their turn signals, who don't do this, that, and the other thing. I don't have to get bent out of shape. That's the crazy word, though. No, I don't have to. I do. That's why I need help. That's why I'm not God. I prove it every single moment. 
I can't get it right. I might make improvements, and I rejoice in the improvements because for me, it's a kiss from God. It's evidence that, yeah, he's working in me. Wow, do you ever get the grace and the glory. And when he says, I'll be exalted among the nations, he's going to be exalted in each of us because he's got his mark in each of us. Wow, that's me. So now, not Q&A, pushback. The Holy Spirit works something in your heart to make this resonate. Or maybe not. Maybe you kind of go, Blaine, <laughs> you're way sicker than we ever thought. <laughs> Should have known that a long time ago. But uh, that's okay. Position of ground. The position of ground, or pog for short, is... Uh, if you think Luther was talking about the grace of God, and in his whole little discussion about grace, he, he, like, he used the example of the analogy of ground. Ground receives grace from God. Orchardists really know that. John, right? I mean, the rain, everything else. You can do all you like, but ultimately you're dependent upon the God of his creation. Ground doesn't do anything. Apple trees don't move to try to get rain, a little bit more rain over here or there or, or whatever. It just receives grace. That's the position we're in. We don't have to run around to try to get God's grace. We cannot make God love us anymore. We can't make God more pleased with us. That's sometimes the trap we fall into. If we do this, God will be happier or more content with me. No. He loves us immeasurably already through Christ. He sees us through Christ. Christ is perfect. Perfect. (laughs) How can he demand anything more? That's the position of ground. It's receiving grace. It says, Lord, if I look at my life, I really see that I don't live your promise. I really don't believe it. That's hard to admit. But in essence, if we were to dissect our lives, we demonstrate daily we do not believe the promises of God. We don't believe the gospel. We don't preach the gospel to ourselves. Position of ground? Receiving it. Lord, give it. Show me, make me feel it. Make me see it. Give me ears to hear it when people speak it. That help? Good. Push back, talk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to repeat that. So everybody hear that? Psalm 146 speaks about God, guard my lips, my tongue. And he's saying that he finds that hard to do. There's lots of commands to do, and we don't do them. We can't do them. We find it hard to do them. And that's what Jesus died for. Died for that too. That's not a given. It's like, whew, okay, man, woohoo! Because Paul talked about that too. He said, no, no, hang on. You don't get to just go and be free and do willy-nilly. And expect God's grace to just flow upon you like I do on the ground. No, you need to lean into my promises. You need to preach the gospel to your son. Thank you. That's good. We're on a roll here. Do, 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 do.
I can handle awkward. I was born awkward. Good one. Yeah, and I said this isn't Q&A. See, the beauty of these types of questions, you know, that zeal, you know, Jesus talks about, and then the apostles bring that up, about the zeal for his house, and he whips up a cord and beats up people and kung fus them out of the temple and knocks over things. Not quite. And they say, yeah, you know, that was Jesus. But here's, here's, here, these types of questions are the things to wrestle with in the community groups. That's why I don't want to be a Q&A session. I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> Those are great discussion things afterwards when we're standing around with coffee. Right? They are good points. I'm going to bring you back to the gospel. Who is the one that did all the work? Who's the one that completed it all? That's our focus. Our zeal zeal for Christ and loving on others. challenge. You should have got up here to talk this morning. <laughs> like another nine minutes. That only killed one minute. No. I'm going to wait. Good. Mm-hmm.
We have tons of regrets. I do. Can't live them over again. So you kind of, I don't say you just got to let them go. That's, that's the male in me saying, come on, just stop it. Like some kind of a bad video. John. Good, good. That, that's a, such a fundamental, if I can add to that too, it's such a fun, fundamental hurdle that I have found is God doesn't need us. Doesn't need us to spread the gospel. Doesn't need us to fulfill his relationship. Doesn't need us at all. We practice need in our relationships. He wants us. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? What's me? That's crazier. He loves me. Loves my kids. Loves you guys. That's 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 wild. Thanks, John. Okay, we'll have to tone it down a bit more. A couple more, and then we'll uh, wrap this up. <laughs> Come on, Luke. I know you've got a burning question there. Just holding back. All right. My prayer and my hope is that the Lord just pushes through your thinking, my thinking, our thinking. Because sometimes I find it easy to play up here. It's safe. I like those voices that are comforting. Down here, different matter. And this is where the work needs to take place is that learning to love on others despite how they respond or react regardless of how they might respond or react. And so my prayer is that we all learn to be still to explore what that looks like for each of us because it's going to be different. I was hoping people would say well here's what be still looks like to me. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean become inert 
doesn't mean chillax. It means a whole bunch of other different things. It'd be fun to explore that with each other. I'm going to pray. Ask the worship team to come up here, wrap things up. Lord and Father, what a great God you are. And I'm not just using those words. I'm just moved by how you work in people's lives, how you speak to people. And it's different. Different for each of us. And I want to so badly to hear you. And I know I crowd you out a lot of times with my own thinking, my own thoughts, my own doing. Give me that grace, Lord, that is already freely offered by you and in me through your spirit to bust through everything that prevents me from knowing you and walking with you, honoring you, exalting you. You already have glory. I can't glorify you anymore. But I want to love you. I just want to, I want to know your love, your arms around me. I want that for everybody in here. And the people who aren't here who are away for whatever reasons to know the inseparable love that you have for us, the inseparable love, the immeasurable love, crazy love. Let us know your grace even more and more that when we go from here that we are moved more and more to love you and to love on others. Amen.